0: the off.
1: which is a weird thing to listen out to whatever Let's i hate
0: listening to our podcast bro so bad <laughs> <laughs> like the podcast isn't bad but <laughs> was that funny <laughs> <laughs> george is offended george
2: loves the podcast
0: yeah how dare i say that i just almost like listening to my own
2: voice george it's nothing about your father Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week, with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Director of Formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. And I'm Maya Little-Sanya, and I'm the Youth
1: Minister. I'm Jackie Pippin, and I'm the Digital Resource Curator.
2: And also joining us in studio, we have a special guest. He doesn't uh, necessarily use words when he speaks, but quite does have a guard. voice. Yeah. <laughs> and he is uh george tremaine the nine one, months only. almost 10 months old of famous you know famously of george pan Venn diagram you
0: might know him <laughs> yeah. we haven't done one of those in a while <laughs> we could do something about wires and tech in japan
2: george you want to say hello to everybody no he does not no, it's just he <laughs> <Nope>. waving got <laughs> a wire, a wire. <laughs> he's got a wire and that's He's enough Not afraid for a to use it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast for the week of um, May 19th, Easter 5, year C. Um, we have a very exciting opening segment to we get do. to before we jump into our gospel reading uh, and our points for this week of faith discussion, because we have a listener email. Uh, you can send us emails to uh, faith2go at stpalcathedral.org. You can also uh, direct message us through Instagram at faith2go. Or you can uh, get in contact with us through our website where you can find all those faith to go resources every week, www.myfaith2go.org. But right now we have an email about last week's podcast uh, where we talked about Jesus uh, on the Temple Mount in the temple and the portico of Solomon, if you recall. And this email is from uh, Jeff. And Jeff writes, Hey, guys. Hey. That's for us. That's us. Thank you for putting out such a solid weekly lectionary podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you're welcome. you. We much love doing obliged. it. It's a pleasure to listen to it week in and week out. As an architectural historian... I couldn't resist dropping you a note, a point of clarification on this week's background. The Dome of the Rock, which you'll recall we talked about because the Dome of the Rock stands on what is left of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. So Jeff continues, the Dome of the Rock is not actually a mosque, which I said it was, but it's not. It's a shrine, sort of like a giant reliquary in the Christian context. I don't know There is... Can you say that word again? (laughs) Reliquary. R-E-L-I-Q-U-A-R-Y. Probably a place that holds relics. Oh, where they hold relics. relics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There there is a mosque on the Temple Mount called the Al-Aqsa Mosque, but it is a separate structure from the dome. Not really relevant to your discussion, but since you were talking about the trivia, I thought you might be interested in knowing. Cheers, and thanks for the podcast. Jeff.
0: I love that, because I always thought it was a mosque. I love his
1: fun fact... I, so. I know that that is a Maya fun fact. feels interesting about fun facts I think
0: that's a fun fact. I had fun reading it. no, that was so cool
2: yeah, and so uh yeah, so the dome of the rock, so correction, the dome of the rock is does stand on the temple Mount where the temple of Solomon used to stand, and it is a shrine, and then on the same temple mount next to the shrine is a mosque, and there's also another freestanding dome. All of these things, structures on this temple mount. So it's like a really large area. It was a big temple. Yeah, really big temple. So there you go, clarification. So if you want, you can also send us clarifications and fact checks. Please. So thank you, Jeff, uh, for listening. Thank you for taking the time to contact us and for sharing that information. That was really interesting and helpful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And so we look forward to hopefully hearing from Jeff again and from any and all of you that have uh, anything you'd like to add to the podcast. So we're going to move on. Uh, like every week, those faith to go resources that you can use if you are having discussions with your family at home, uh, you can find at uh, myfaith2go.org, and they are based on the gospel from this week's lectionary, which is John 13, 31 to 35. So Jackie is going to read the gospel, and then we're going to each take a minute to highlight one point that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion.
1: At the Last Supper, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me.
2: the thing to know here is that this takes place right after this, this is taking place within the context of the, of the last supper of the Passover meal that Jesus shares with his disciples. So that is the general context, but there's still like four or five chapters left between when this is happening and when Jesus is actually arrested. So there's a whole lot of dialogue and back and forth between Jesus and the disciples. Um, and I think another thing to say as we kind of end our time with John is that John's a, a really great example of something that is true with all of the gospels and really so really you could say all of the all the books of the Bible but especially you see it in John where the gospels are a combination both of the like the Jesus, the tradition of Jesus that was passed down to the person that wrote the gospel, as well as uh, the circumstances of the community that that author found themselves in at the time of writing the gospel. So John was most likely the last gospel written, and this community found themselves really at odds with the more traditional mainline Jewish people in their community. And so that's why... There's a whole lot of really problematic, um, anti-Semitic verses in John because Jesus is always in opposition to a group of people that the gospel writer refers to as the Jews, which would not have been, which we know is not would not have been true. Jesus would not have said the Jews talking about a separate group because be talking he was Jew. Yeah. So there's there's it's this combination that. This is this combination of both real tradition that has been passed down about Jesus and the gospel writer emphasizing and adding certain things to the gospel story to emphasize certain certain things that are important to that community from which that gospel writer is writing. So we have to hold those things gently and recognize that there is this interplay of those two realities, both what the tradition has been and the circumstances within which that tradition is being interpreted uh, and read it that way. So I think that's just one thing to keep in mind as we move on from John because there are some really challenging verses in John and there's some really challenging theology in John and and there's some challenging parts of the whole Bible and recognizing that this whole thing, all these books of the Bible, came from a specific cultural context and societal background. So who has a first point? Maya's
0: got the first point. I do. First up, I wanted to touch on the second verse, um, 1332. It said, if God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Now, that is some Jedi mind (laughs) trickery. There's a lot going on there. Um, But something I kind of wanted to focus on in particular would be the him in himself. So, Jesus glorifying God in himself. And I think that's a really interesting thing to think about because if we look at what has just happened in the story, Judas has just left. And we can assume, or I guess it's been widely assumed that this is when Judas, as David had mentioned, this is when Judas, this is the Last Supper, and this is what Judas leaving is Judas going to do, going to go betray Jesus. And it's, I just find it really striking that once Judas leaves, it says, Jesus said, now the son of man has been glorified. So it's interesting. It's kind of like, now that Judas has set these events in motion for Jesus to be ultimately crucified, now the son of man has been glorified. And so it made me really rethink what glory to God is, you know, because anyone in that at the foot of the cross would tell you that Jesus was not being glorified and that God was not being glorified in him um, at that moment. And I think it's really interesting because in the kingdom of God, you know, Jesus is flipping it upside down again um, and backwards. And he's saying that this glory isn't dependent upon the definition of glory as prescribed by the world. It is a glory that is sourced from god and it's to god and with god and not from the world and i know that's like well yes maya that's what he just said isn't it but it's <laughs> but it's just something to really think about when we, i think in popular discourse or um even i don't know like with like christ the king and like god christ is triumphant yeah. which he ultimately was like, lest we forget that he was humiliated and broken and beaten on a cross, like, right. that doesn't change once the resurrection happens. Like, that image will never not be in the disciples' head. Yeah. That will never not haunt them for the rest of their lives, I imagine, you know, seeing that happen um, or knowing that happened. Like, and so, and, and, but that was, it wasn't just the resurrection, wasn't the glory, but the crucifixion as well. And it makes us think about how we can glorify the God in ourselves. So instead of him in himself, him in myself and what that looks like. And Jesus is telling us that is to love one another Mm -hmm. and how him being crucified was an act of love. And it's just, you know, something to think about. It's just kind of a reminder of the glory and power and honor and praise that we talk that Jesus speaks of is not the one that we speak of.
2: Right. And it's like, Jesus is, it's cool. Cause like Jesus is trying to, like you said, be flipping upside down and make it. And it's like really counter-cultural. And in that way of like flipping things, he's like, re, he's reversing the flow of glory. He's saying, you know, our, in our, our like human way and, and egoic way and cultural way of understanding glory is that we go out and achieve it. Mm-hmm. You know, we go do something, we earn something, we you know make the most money, we win awards, we win, and we get, and we get the glory. For it. Yeah, right. And Jesus is reversing it, so it's not going outside in. It's not based on the things we do out here and getting the glory. It's not going to get the glory. It's finding the glory that's already in us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. God's glory in us is shining out. And like, we can then recognize the glory in other people, not because we've given them the glory, not because they've earned the glory, but we can like see the glory of God.
1: I think that brings me to my point of um, like, how do we, how does Easter, how does, Jesus died on the cross. How does that inform like this notion of love? Uh, and throughout the church year, you know, we have the cycle of Jesus's life, and and this is from a resource that we actually posted on My Faith to Go from uh, Easter two, and it talks about the church year. We get to live out the cycle of Jesus's life, and we have Advent, and we're waiting for his birth, and then we can celebrate his birth and follow his early life, and then we roll into this terrible time of Lent and Holy Week where we have to watch him suffer uh, and die on the cross. And now we're in Easter. And for 50 days, we're celebrating Easter as we await uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so what, what can we do during this Easter season? And is Easter a season or is it a day or is it a life that we can choose to live? Mm-hmm. And so how do those how do those facets of Jesus' life, you know, knowing that he is born again every year, knowing that we are going to watch him grow up every year, knowing that we are going to watch his struggle through Holy Week, knowing that he's going to die, knowing that he's going to be raised again, how do those things inform how we live our life? Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, This author in this resource talks about how, like Lent, like Advent, we can take on a discipline. And so what does it mean if we, during this Easter season, put on the heart of Jesus? And what does it mean if we're not afraid to make mistakes because we are, are just loving and involved in that love and redemption that is the Easter season? Um, and so how does that transform our lives? But then how does that transform the lives around us? Will we live a life that way? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think based on that first point, like living in Easter life looks like <clears throat> recognizing the glory in defeat and like the glory in our weaknesses, that there is glory in losing and failure. There is glory in weakness and in humility that there is like right. there's glory in actually not being the best, but just being. Well, and who in redemption. Are. Yeah,
0: and there's the ultimate courage in losing and mm-hmm. messing up because and humility as a result mm-hmm. and not need and not getting destroyed over it. You know, that's something I've had to learn. It's like mm-hmm. give. I wrote like give me the courage of like the defeated Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense where my ego gets absolutely smash the ground when we get defeated or mess up or fail through trial and error or become humiliated. But when you let go of that, as Jesus did, you are triumphant over that defeat that your ego would be absolutely crushed by, but it takes so much courage and ultimate humility to not, you don't get defeated by it, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and also there's like, this kind of begins to go into transition into my point that I want to make because it's his whole thing about love, especially just the way he talks about love generally in this second half of John's gospel and all this like abiding language, the Father, I and the Father and the Father and me and I and you and like the vine and the branches and the grapes. And it's like there's something about this, the way that Jesus talks about love, it's not like... There's no, like, there's no power differential in love. There's no, like, gaining of, there's no winning in love. It's all this kind of, not defeat really, but it's like the the love that Jesus is talking about is like a constant outpouring. That is an abundant way of thinking about love and not a scarce one. That, like, I may not have enough love in me to give, so I need to hold some of it back. It's like a constant giving of the self because we all know that we are connected to one another. I and you and you and me and like we and one another. And Mm -hmm. so he's talking here about, he's using language here about loving one another. And uh, like Jackie was mentioning, uh, this Easter season is leading us up to Pentecost. And that's the day that we like, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. And then this like whatever kind of physical form of Jesus existed in post-resurrection that physical thing is gone Mm -hmm. and so like now what what exists now like how do we how do those disciples move forward now that jesus is gone and on pentecost we celebrate uh we celebrate the you know descent of the holy spirit in the beginning of acts and speaking in tongues and things like that and jesus similarly talks about the Holy Spirit in here and refers to it as, as the paraclete, the like the advocate, the one that will come, that will come, that will be sent from the father when Jesus is gone, that will like continue to guide people and dwell in people. And so what Jesus is doing here is beginning to get the disciples ready. I think we said this, maybe it was last week that we talked about this, maybe two weeks ago with Jesus saying the come have breakfast with me thing with Peter, but it was like, Jesus is getting them ready for what it looks like to follow him when he's not actually present physically with them anymore. Because all this time they've been able to just physically follow him. And now he's saying, I'm going to go to a place that you can't just follow me to. But follow me. But follow me still. So what does it look like to follow me? And so one part of that for John is this, you know, enduring presence of the Holy Spirit once Jesus is gone. But it also is... Loving one another. What does it look like to follow me? Well, love one another. I will be present with you in your love for one another. And it's interesting because this, like, there's two things. One is that there is no institution of the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, in John like there is in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's no Jesus took a cup of wine and bread and blessed it and gave it to them. The the last supper for jesus is like the washing of feet and then telling them to love one another and and that kind of adds to the way we think about what it means to be the body of christ and to be like sacramental in our in our embodiment of the eucharist is that like to be the body of christ is to love one another but also as much as we like can read john with the synoptics we have to read the synoptics with john here because like i was saying before in the context part there's this this gospel is really a polemic kind of pushing you know coming out of a really tense time where there's clearly a division between those who adhere to a more traditional judaism and these new christian people and they're really like fighting against one another and so when what Jesus doesn't say in this gospel that he says in others is love your neighbor. What he says here is love one another, and that's a, that is challenging because um, it 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 makes us it makes it all the more important for us to remember that we have to hold like all these teachings of Scripture all together and not just pull from one strand of thought in the Bible. That there's all these different traditions all clumped together in this one big book, but it's a like a book of many books. And so both it's it's important both to keep in mind that loving one another is part of what it means to be Eucharistic and to be a sacramental community, but also moving beyond this inner circle of the people that we love that make us comfortable and going beyond to love people that makes that we are uncomfortable in loving, like people that are different from us. Like going so far as to say love your enemy and the people that don't love us back. And so I think that it's this story just brings that up for me of of both the way it adds this cool part to like our our understanding of Eucharist and our understanding of sacraments but also the way that we need to read it with you know the other gospels in terms of who what that what it means to like be embody Jesus in the world by loving people. Cause it's not just loving a certain group of people. It's loving everyone, especially the people that it's hardest to love. So that is my third point, And that's all three. <laughs> three. Boom. Um, so our three points to recap briefly are uh, number one was Maya's and it was about the way that Jesus turns the glory and the glorifying of God upside down. So it's not us like going out and gaining things to glorify ourselves, but this reversing of the flow so that, you know, we are like windows for God's glory to shine out into the world. Um, Number two was Jackie's thinking about what it means to not just be in an Easter season, but live an Easter life and take on practices of that Easter life in this Easter season. And then number three was mine about uh, this kind of narrative that Jesus adds to our idea of the Eucharist about loving one another and the importance of not just loving the people that we already love, but going outside of our circle and uh, loving the people that it is a challenge for us to love. So, having heard that discussion, Jackie is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything new this time through.
1: At the Last Supper, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another.
2: All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week, uh, this week of May 19th, Easter 5-year C on your lectionary. We'll be back next week for Easter 6, and then we'll only be a couple weeks away from the end of Easter, because Pentecost is on June 9th, we've got like four more weeks left, Uh, three more weeks, something like that. Um, If you would like to send us a question or comment or story from your week of faith discussion or a correction Mm -hmm. to a fact-checking, send those to faith2go at sdpaulcathedral.org. You can also direct message us and follow us on Instagram at faith2go. And you can contact us through the website where you can also find all of those faith2go resources, www.myfaith2go.org. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. Help other people find it. Until next week, Bye everyone.